This episode is sponsored by me. Not only do I do podcasting, but I do artwork as well. Check out my Instagram page. That is SAH3Artist. In the bio there is my link tree that has my Etsy, my Redbubble shops to purchase my pre-made artwork. But if you don't want pre-made, I could do commissions from you, from logos to any type of imagery you want. Uh, you could DM me on Instagram and we could work out the details for your very own art piece. Remember, my Instagram is SAH3Artist. Welcome to the Safari Steve Show, where we can speak easy, speak freely about any subject, real-life minutia, conspiracies, world topics, and self-improvement, and more. This is the Safari Steve Show. You can still eat political tide pods, and be just... Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Safari Steve, and we have, back again, Richard Splash. Hello, hello. What up, dude? Oh, good to be back, good to be back. Oh man, yeah, I'm happy to have you back. One of which is like you you uh, reach top ten of like the stuff listened to on the on the show. Uh, I'm shocked. Uh, I know my episodes are long, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, the I think conspiracies and uh, even political and government stuff is I think a lot of people like it and a lot of people hate it at the same time. Uh, I I think more people are aware of it just because of our current situation and political and government it seems like even if you want just a candy bar it's political for some reason yeah no 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 no. bring it close yeah whatever oh, <laughs> yeah i think it's something just a wee bit yeah <laughs> um yeah one of which um so we have like a few topics today that we're gonna touch up on and or no, we're going to not even touch up on We're just going full throttle. Uh, oh, yeah, we're going right into it. So there's some, got the WEF, World Economic Forum, Bilderbergs. We have, shoot, China. We have the Uyghur Muslims um, in China. And uh, and you wanted to kick off with, uh, what was it? Um, uh, yeah, so... Man basically on how all these connect is it starts war, end of World War II, the beginning of the Cold War and what um, a lot of people don't know is that the United States actually helped China, communist China um, help them create their foundations to what it is today and the CIA had, um, it all started in 1930s I think with uh, basically naval intelligence. So this is before the CIA, before World War II even happened. Um, they sent uh, naval intelligence over there uh, basically to find out uh, if the United States could ally themselves with China because they foresaw World War II coming on and they knew what kind of power base China really is and the economic force that it could, that it could become. Uh, so they were sent over there to assess things and um, basically start a political alliance with um, the communists there. Um, you fast forward to World War II, the, near the end of it, 1944, I think is when um, the CIA is, I believe, the OSS, mm -hmm. Operation Special Services, something like that. Yeah, but they were OSS. Yeah. And they sent over what's called the Dixie Mission. And 
what this does is help um, the imperialist forces. I'm kind of hazy on what the political spectrum was in China at the time. It was uh, between Chiang Kai-shek, I must probably mispronounced the name, Chiang Kai-shek, the, the whites. Yeah. Or Red China. Yeah, Mao. And then the warlords. In between. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, basically China is in a huge turmoil right now because um, Japan invaded in World War II and the United States fund- funneled like tons of money and assets. Uh, the Flying Tigers are a famous example of how the United States helped China in, during that time. Um, when all this goes down, the United States is really looking to set up a, a power base in Asia. And they believe that China is the best option at the time um, just because of political alliances in the, in the region. Pretty much at this time, uh, communism views the United States uh, as the enemy, which, you know, they've said the whole time that they are the enemies. <laughs> yeah, and in a sense, I don't exactly blame them because uh, I think it was the 1780s we started doing trade with them, and then you got the Opium Wars and then the Boxer Rebellions. It was pretty much, it wasn't just the U- United States, but it was the the British, mainly the British drug in them. And then the U.S. later on is like, hey, want to help with the railroad? Smiley face. <laughs> yeah. And um, just a quick rabble hole, I guess. China built a lot of our rail systems in the United States. Because mm-hmm. during that time, it was the cheapest labor around just because they had so many bodies. But that was like 1860-something. They also uh, helped establish the, the um, Panama Canal as well. Not established, but they pretty much finished the job. Yeah, because I think France tried. I, I know a few countries tried the Panama Canal before the United States finally finished it, but that's a side tangent. <laughs> so many of them, uh, so many people died of uh, malaria and uh, so much disease. Yeah. Uh, the jungle ate them. Yeah, but there's tons of people in the jungle there. We can't even figure it out. They're probably all plant roots now. Yeah, so, uh, side 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 tangent. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't. Since I don't blame, like, if they wanted to become have their own sovereign state, we I wouldn't don't exactly feel bad because that's what I think every nation, uh, particularly the U.S., should have its own sovereignty without how many foreign influences, and they're just doing it, and a lot of people don't like it. But the way they are doing it involves a lot of death. Yeah, very true. It's all espionage and assassinations because 1949, China has a huge civil war and um, the United States heavily funds the, I think it's the the Shek guys. And then they basically sell weapons to both sides, but one side ends up with guns with no firing pins. Interesting. So... The Chinese Civil War goes down. The communists are victorious, obviously. And basically what follows is a lot of famine. um, Just more killings than anyone thought possible. Uh, This is when um, ideology comes out very, very severe. Um, Even uh, Russia at this time and China have a lot of beef just out of the simplicity of that 
one communism is better than the other communism. It was between Stalin and Mao. Stalinism, Maoism, and they... uh, Stalin wanted Mao to do his way of thinking, and Mao's like, no, I got my own own plans, and you were just kind of like, we were just piggybacking off your ideology so I can influence mine power yeah yeah, exactly so all these isms are kind of going to war and when the chinese civil war ends the united states gets kicked out so uh the chinese intelligence secret service and all that stuff they uh come into play at this time and see the cia involvement as a national security threat Mm -hmm. so they're they're gone you know, out. So China becomes, what's the word? Insulated is, uh, is a good term. In um, 1950, I believe, is when they officially kicked us out and the Korean War started kicking in. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, uh, huge conflicts happen between when China kicks out the United States in 1950 uh, up until about 1970 when uh, Nixon and uh, his Secretary of State Kissinger come to play. So throughout this time, the United States is basically trying to figure out how to get their investment back, which is China. And they need the trade of China open to go forward with, um, at that time, the Vietnam War. And a good term that I've come to understand how the dark occult operates it's called the strategy of tension and basically basically that means is you're always going to have an enemy no matter what Uh, peace is war war is peace and when this is going down in the 1970s our endless war at that time is Vietnam and the best way you know basically get a good grip on the region as far as the united states is concerned is to ally themselves with china economically um at this time they're not thinking uh military militarily uh they're thinking economically because the the future of warfare is changing around this time so 1950 to 1970 we're going through what we understand is called the Cold War. Um, a lot of analysis of people that I've read, like, and uh, they call them white papers, just declassified papers from the CIA, government of- officials and stuff like that. They believe that World War Three already happened, and that was the Cold War. Um, if you kind of look at it, I agree with that, just because of all the wars that were happening around the globe at that time. Uh, the two factions were communism and capitalism. The world was split. World War II really didn't end. It just kind of got postponed. If if that's a hot take of thinking about it, I understand. <laughs> it was... That makes, that makes more sense as if, as if through the 1940s everything was just head-on collision and then after that it was started just like hit and misses, and then became more passive-aggressive. Yeah, because if you think about it, after World War II, we have the Korean War, and that involved the United Nations on one side, and then the Korean forces, which were actually Chinese, Russian, and North Koreans at that time. Mm-hmm. And it became uh, a flashpoint. And what, what 
the military strategy was in World War II was by the numbers. It, it wasn't um, a technology based or anything. Like uh, obviously technology helps, but it just came down to who can produce more tanks and put them on the battlefield and have them crewed. That's all it came down to. Um, the people that won World War II were obviously the Russians. <laughs> they kicked ass. They lost 20 million people, I think. Same with Germany. They lost like 18, 20 million people. The, the real blood was paid by Russia, in my opinion. Especially all across the Eastern Front. Not only just by weather, but their supplies and... Uh the deficiency of their supplies and everyone was just like sent to their it's sent to their deaths yeah uh, the killing fields is what they're called i thought that was a uh, cambodia no uh, uh, the killing fields is a a, a broad term oh okay it's yeah. a it's a military broad term for basically the situation has deteriorated so much that any any person that you put in the field of battle will be eliminated the killing fields so that, that's basically all it came down to and all this to say is that these people are slowly realizing that the future of warfare isn't putting a person on the field of battle with a gun. It's how can you fuel all of that to put a person on the battlefield, if that makes sense. It comes down to how strong is your economy, how strong is your purchasing power, and how can you stop the enemy from gaining resources. And what it all boils down to is control over um, resources and people's minds. And so we enter the World Economic Forum as basically a launching point to start gaining control over the world's resources. So the proposal, I suppose, at the time was, hey guys, humanity is going in a direction that we think is unsustainable. There is a lot of war happening, our resources are just getting burned up, we need smart people in management positions all over the globe in all different governments, if, that, if you're following me so far. So, these intellectuals if you can't tell by my big air quotes there <laughs> these intellectuals get together they're they're nothing more than satanists in all but name the these people believe that um if you're not in the club you're what's called a useless eater and they need to come up with all kinds of ways to keep us useless eaters from taking over the world's resources and so they dress it up as, um, what, what's the most recent, uh, the Great Reset. They dress it up as these great ideas that are going to solve all of humanity's problems. The only thing getting in the way of that is us giving up control over everything. That, that comes down to the food that you eat, the medicine that you take and even the clothes that you wear. So these people are very psychotic. Um, they have a religion. Um, 
a lot of people understand it as Satanism, but it's uh, it has a futuristic term. It's called transhumanism. Um, we may have talked about that before, but that's basically the founding of the, the their whole mindset is that they they will evolve, merge with machines, and become God and live forever. Um, the only trade-off is, is they have to kill off the rest of humanity, basically. And they'll they'll talk about it at nauseum. You just have to, you know, watch their forums, which is akin to watching paint dry, in my opinion. They're they're boring as as hell. <laughs> I was just listening to. I didn't get to finish it, but um, they just released um, a video just about two days ago on January 26th of 2024, uh, the supply chain of the future, uh, Davos 2024, and a lot of it's generalized information, but they were breaking it down for, you know, globalism and globalization of their mining raw materials to, from the distribution of the raw materials, AI, um trimming costs and then infrastructure and energy uses usage um and to it almost seems like they want to create this giant which it already is in some form of way they're just they're maximizing the return of materials and energy usage trade distribution everything but they're taking every nation yeah, what, pretty much summing up what you said earlier is to, uh, acquisition of resources. And it's just like the game in Spore, um, if you remember playing that game, if anybody else has played that game, is you have three ways to conquer your enemies. It's through war or economic or religious. And they're choosing the economic way, buying people out and having uh, crony capitalism, uh, taking control of world leaders just like the Bilderbergs are. In their secret meetings, quote unquote, <laughs> um, and there, it just seems like a big rat race for everyone else here. That is not, that is not a world leader. Yeah, exactly. Um, a good way to think about all this is, you know, well, just strip everything away and really ask a question: If there is a world government. How do they coordinate and how do they operate? What we're talking about here with the Bilderberg Group, the um, them meeting at Davos, all, all these things, that is how the world government operates. They get together in these giant meetings, these round table groups, and they discuss how the world is going to run. And they're... There's very little that we can do about it right now. Because, frankly, we don't know how they they make decisions. It's all behind closed doors, and then later they brag about it when they're drunk on whiskey. Right. And one of the things... Oh, I just realized that I'm talking so much louder than you are. Huh. I don't know. Um, one of the things to point out, too, this is including the Bilderberg... Uh, Bilderbergs is um, I think I met, mentioned earlier the war is a transfer of the status quo and with with that being said it's I was just thinking about the first world war and before the ninth or during the 19th century you had the Habsburgs 
and pretty much they were all related in some form of way that the king of England and the czar of Russia were relatives along with um, uh, the emperor of Germany Mm-hmm. The, Kaiser. The Kaisers. Um, and so, with the status quo and changing of the um, leadership and everything, uh, the geopolitical, I don't know, rolling the dice or whatever, It's all. it all seems planned and organized, organized killing and organized who wants to take over what, who wants to produce this, who wants to, who wants to wear the new Monopoly crown. Yeah, exactly. And the the way it boils down to is that it comes to basically who has been in charge long enough that they can organize all these uh, fighting and um, all these resources coming together to basically culminate in an end result of control. Uh, that's all it comes down to is how how they can control and kill as many people as possible because no matter what they say and no matter how much they try to dress it up it all comes down to how they can quote unquote manage the resources but what that is actually saying is how can we take control of resources to cut out as many people as possible and you mentioned earlier um, before the show started is um, which adds character to what we're trying to enlighten about. You uh, mentioned a few names. Uh, Albert Borge. Uh, oh, Al- and okay. then you, you Yowl. <sighs> I know that they're really hard to pronounce, but um, these people that I, I mentioned are very involved in the World Economic Forum. Um, the they're uh, they're in charge of entities that are household names that are guiding our current existence. Um, these people that uh, we're gonna go over today are uh, Albert Borla. He is the CEO of Pfizer, and he's also an advisor to the World Economic Forum on health and public safety. Um, oh, go ahead. I thought you were going to say no, something. No, no, go on. Continue. Okay. Um, another one is called Larry Fink. Um, he is CEO of BlackRock, and that is a hedge fund group that, last time I checked, controls upwards of 80% of the... Of the world's stock stocks, so they own basically eighty percent of the world's companies. Uh, that includes like you know Walmart, Comcast, anything you name it. The twenty percent that they don't own uh, are basically places that are uncivilized, and they have their you know their own form of uh, economics. And when these people get together. Um, they can't help but tell you how your life is going to get uh, ran into the ground. <laughs> they they think of you as basically nothing more than an ant coming across their picnic table to take whatever. They, they react to other human beings the same way as you would react to a roach crawling into your fridge. 
these these people have no pity for you and they want you eliminated as quickly as possible so when you hear them talk try to get past the the camouflage that they wear uh, they talk in high toned voices um they um they talk like a news anchor man almost yeah try to get past that and uh, listen to what they say um it, it it took me a few times of actually listening to all these different types of people to pick up on what they're trying to say um so as as we go forward into the episode um i'll i'll state their names i'll play a few clips of them and try to explain what they're trying to get across I noticed that with the the video I was just telling you about the, about their um, the distribution and uh, economic future is they're great statesmen. I'll give them like just like Obama when you hear Obama talk, you're like, I feel convinced. <laughs> yeah, uh, what something I I'm trying to drive home in all these episodes I'm on here with you is these these people are trying to convince you to give up your own sovereignty because the greatest form of warfare is never putting your hand on a weapon to make your enemy concede. Uh, that's the ultimate form of warfare. And that's currently what's going on is they're bombarding you with so many things that it just clouds everything and you give up. And that's the ultimate goal. And that's what these people will talk about. Um, Another person, he, he's a little more famous than these other two, uh, just because he, he he really looks and talks like a Bond villain. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's central casting or, or if this is how the world pans out, but when you hear him talk and if you ever look, look into him, he, he looks and acts like a Bond villain. Oh, Klaus? Yeah. 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 I keep thinking he's like Goldeneye every time. I think of Dr. Evil. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, his name is Klaus Schwab. Uh, we'll we'll pull up some videos of him. But um, quick side note on, I guess Bond villains and stuff is the the writer of James Bond, um, was in British Secret Service during World War Two. Um, MI six. I think that's the extra. I get I get MI five and MI six confused all the time. One of the MIs. Yeah, well, one of the MIs. But um, he based his characters off of real life events that he went through. So like Goldeneye and uh, uh, what's the what's the guy that went in space and tried to blow stuff up? Uh, oh, Blowfish or oh. Blowfield, I think his name is. Anyway, uh, they're all based off of real life people. And I think Klaus Schwab might be one of them. <laughs> That's just my own personal opinion. And you know, now that you say like based off real people, I just want to touch base on this part too, because I was just talking about it with um, a really smart guy, one of our coworkers, um, about a lot of these, like the Marvel movies, for example. Or uh, I was just finishing; I just watched all the John Wicks, because I think I've only seen the second one. But now they're all on Netflix. I just kind of binged them. They're nice movies, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of these, um, sorry, <clears throat> a lot of these shows that I watch, like they're they're fiction, like they're all fictional and fantasy. They have superpowers and whatnot, but the backing of the story is almost like 
a little Easter egg of what's really playing out into real life. They just added fiction to make it not non-believable. Like Hydra is an example. You have Hydra, or you have the oh, what was that aircraft carrier they were using that turned into a big uh, ship? Uh, the Avengers. The event. Right. Yeah, the Avengers. The oh, and uh, what's the wing? What's the I don't know. The I know, bird. All, all I know is that Nick Fury was in charge of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that organization of Nick Fury. You have that group that had to deal with those higher-ups that he was talking to. Yeah. That they were pretty much globalists. They're like, okay, we need you to do this, this, and this. We just captured and hijacked your organization. So all everyone that's on, like under the jurisdiction, like the whole military-industrial complex, they're just a part of the big, giant scheme of a pyramid of... Okay, we're doing this for our nation. Oh, fun fact that all the things we manufactured ended up being going towards the enemy or the enemy of my enemy of that enemy of that enemy. Yeah, it, it, it's all a, a tangled web. Um, uh, George Carlin, the comedian, mm-hmm. uh, he has a famous bit where it, basically it ends with, it, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Yep. <laughs> that, that, that's how it comes down to. Um, like the, the John Wick, the the organization he's part of. They seem to be above the law. Openly killing people in the streets, like, you can go to jail for that, you can go to jail for that, but if I did the same thing, oh yeah, I'd go to jail. (laughs) Yeah, um, a lot of people are coming to the realization that at bare minimum, we have a two-tiered justice system. Bare minimum. Uh, There's a multitude of things that people do in broad daylight that other people can't. Mm-hmm. Um, that that all comes down to control. They're they're doing what the British call the great game, divide and conquer. If they set up one group or multiple groups uh, as the pinnacle um, that no other people can touch, it, it just creates uh, friction and conflict because you're not really targeting the group that you raised up. You're targeting all the other groups. And when you say uh, a two-tier system or more at a minimum, it's almost like the system that we have for individ- for lower class, middle class people, and even slightly upper class, we're all held, held accountable to that jurisdiction of law. But people like, I don't know, let's say the Clintons, or we say people in politics, they're all embedded with each other, so when they commit crimes, they're like, no, no, you since you have political superpowers that you can lobby yourself or talk your way out of pro- out of these problems you're fine we're just going to give you a slap on the wrist you just pay us walk away and keep doing all the political minutiae you do day to day start making us money and we'll just look the other way oh yeah but one of my favorite examples of at least recent history with that is uh if everyone is familiar with roundup uh the weed killer Yes, the, yeah, yeah. You just spray on dandelions, you know. Um, the manufacturer of that, I believe, is Monsanto. Monsanto's? That's, yeah. And there's a, a famous video of one of their, I'm not sure if it's a CEO or a, a spokesman or something like that, but um, it's basically at the time of the video, it's coming out that Roundup gives you cancer. And. They they spray it on all your food, corn, wheat, 
everything. And this spokesman or CEO was like, no, it's perfectly safe to drink, perfectly safe to ingest, blah, blah, blah. And one of the reporters goes, okay, well, here's a glass of Roundup. Go ahead and drink it. Safe and effective. Yeah, and he immediately goes, well, do you think I'm stupid? I'm not drinking that. (laughs) But it's safe and effective. Brought to you by Pfizer. <laughs> so all these all these people are are interconnected, and one of the ways that this operation keeps going and is why it is so coordinated is because they do meet annually, semi annually, quarterly, all that stuff. They a giant operation like the Dark Occult or the New World Order, as a lot of people are familiar with it. It, it takes a lot of organization. There is no rest for the wicked, as the saying goes. They're always planning. They're always meeting. They're always coming up with, you know, the next scheme, the next, the next whatever. So have no doubts. It is in it is in broad daylight. These people are operating. They are meeting together. Uh, another one is called the G twenty. You know, uh, it may seem that we're at war with some of these other countries, but I assure you that is just a facade. It all seems like a facade. Let's focus on this. Don't worry about the things that we're doing. We already, yeah, we're just doing things behind the table. We just want you to look at the big laser pointer. Yeah, never let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. You know that kind of thing. So, all um. I guess this is a good place to jump over to discussing some of these people's uh, ideas and what they have planned for us. Um, we'll we'll start here with uh, my man Larry, and I'll play you a video of you know what what they really really think of us. Um, so as I was saying, this is Larry Fink. Um, in in this short clip I'm I'm gonna play he is at an event now make a point of Whoops, sorry is this the Larry Fink Blackrock this mm-hmm. one the seven yeah uh, this this is the guy in charge of uh, uh of Blackrock and let, let's just let's just hear what he has to say uh and what he thinks of the rest of us That's, a, that's an investment criteria for you. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Uh, 54% of the incoming class are women. We, we added four more points in terms of diverse uh, employment this year. And it, if it, it, you know what we're doing internally is if you don't achieve these levels of impact, it, your compensation could be impacted, okay? We're doing the same thing. And so it's just, it, you have to force behaviors. And if you don't force behaviors, whether it's gender or race or just any way you want to say the composition of your team, you're going to be impacted. And that's not just not recruiting. It is development, as Ken said. And ultimately, it's still going to take time, but I am just as much shocked as Ken is that we have not seen more opportunities and we're going to have to force change. (laughs) So is that just referring to his company or was that just referring to just the society alone or 
Yeah, great question. I, I know the, uh, the, the clips I'm going to play are very short, and a lot of them are going to be out of context. So he was asked on the future of corporate America and how uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion can be developed in the private sector, basically. So all that to say is, so how can we make uh, force change um, you know, anywhere. And what he was describing, um, the example that he brought up was half his, um, sector or, uh, half his team, uh, who knows what that is. I mean, it could be six people and three of them are chicks and that, that could be the 50, what, you know, 52% that he was describing. It, it was a general broad term to describe how they view what corporations should be. So they're saying that they would rather choose your skin color or your sexual preferences over what you bring to the table, what your actual skills and qualifications are. The opposite of what Martin Luther wanted. Exactly. And he, what he was saying is that uh, he specifically brought up compensation will be impacted, if, if you recall. What he's saying is that if you don't follow diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, they will erase you off the map financially. And what that part of that conference is actually about is the transforming tomorrow's inventions for today and that was part of the digital identification system um, he was saying that um, what a lot of people come to understand as the social credit score um, will be impacted in the future if you're found to be on the outs and he was describing how they need to force that change now so that way they can implement it into the future which makes me wonder um like as china is in the, in the experiment like a lot of these nations um i guess we're all just one big happy experiment if anything COVID, the whole um virus send-off of covid was an experiment of how countries handle rapid change china's uh experiment is still currently going is the social credit score if you speak bad about Xi Jinping or the Communist Party or whatever you get hit and you're restricted from using your credit card you're restricted from uh, doing a lot of things so it's suppressive power from the state oh it's, yeah the thing like what we're doing right now our, if we we're under that score we, we would be obliterated uh, we couldn't do this right now. At least mentioning the social credit score, uh, that that takes you out. Like you can't get on a train. You can't rent an apartment building. It it, it makes you impoverished on purpose. So that way it corrects your behavior. I uh, I don't know about you, but I do not want people in charge that think that way. Especially Mr. Larry here. Um, 
I had no clue on who he was until he said that I deserve nothing. <laughs> you know, I noticed a lot of elitists have that mindset, like, like they 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 behave very simple and whatnot, not like the humble sense, but it's uh, they have a they're in a different yeah they, plane. They they do have an insulated view of like uh there there's tons of videos one the one that uh, comes to my immediate mind is uh george bush senior i believe when uh you were getting printers in your home and they came with a, a fax option and they were showing the president oh here's a printer with a fax on it uh, do you want to send the first fax from the White House or whatever? And uh, he was completely clueless on what was happening. <laughs> or there's another one where uh, Hillary Clinton goes into an apartment in New York. And it's, um, I guess it's supposed to be a video of her getting, like, down with the people. And she's shocked on the space in the, in, in the apartment. Oh, yeah. See, this even is happening, like, even to us, like, directly. Like, with certain leadership is... I think I have a more respect for an individual if they knew what we were experiencing. Like, if they knew... If they went through the same situational or even with our work or any type of work, like, they've... They were... They've been there. Yeah. What, what the vast majority of humanity is going through compared to a small minority is massive. There is a huge massive gap between those that have and those that have not. Yeah. And unfortunately those that have um, are in control of the steering wheel and they believe that those that have not don't deserve to live for the mere fact that they exist. I, I for one can't fathom how that feels. Just to, I, I would assume just hate yourself so much, <laughs> but have all this power and and money. But I guess that's why, like you see, uh, the the guy of Amazon, Bezos. Oh yeah, yeah, he's divorced now and all that fun stuff. And Bill Gates is getting divorced, all that, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they are souls, soulless husks. And that that's why they're up there trying to get rid of us all before they cash out. Hmm. That is uh, another concerning thought, too. I mean, uh, before, I mean, there's other people we want to name off, but I've heard it multiple times on um, other media sources, but about... Uh, uh, Putin. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, when you have a leader that, or even a tyrant, they just kind of, it's it's their game, and you, people under him are, like, subordinates and whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just in it for, because they're in it. What if they go on the crazy train, and they're like, you know, I want to be remembered in history. I'm going to drop the nuke. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Seeing, uh... I guess God does exist because we haven't blown ourselves up yet. Uh, Dan Carlin, which is not George Carlin. Dan Carlin, 
um, is the hardcore history guy. Are they related? That'd be kind of cool if they were. <laughs> they don't believe the same things, though. Uh, well, that, that's why I ask if they're related. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, Dan Carlin, I like him. I think I like most um, authors and musicians, but then when they start talking politics, I start to hate them. I, I don't want them for their politics. I enjoy them for the, the creative talent that they uh, put out. See, that was me and Green Day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Green Day. But see, uh, me too. And then all of a sudden they got political. <laughs> but aren't they just punk rock? Isn't that like their motto? Just being a uh, fuck the government type of shit. You know? Yeah. I, Stuff. I guess that's why they held a special place in my heart because I, <laughs> I grew up on that, you know? That, that was just like Rage Against the Machine too. Fight the power. It's know? true, and now, and now they're sellout. <laughs> I guess that's kind of what happens when you grow up, get married, have kids. You're like, oh, I need more money, and I spent it all. Let's do it again. Money. <laughs> oh, our musical talent in our in our crowd is not as big as it used to be. What do I do? <laughs> I know. I I wouldn't know anything <laughs> about that. I I would hate to be an artist, honestly. Yeah, but. Uh, where was I going with this? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, So, the other guys you were gonna, uh, mention, you were gonna mention Yuval, is that, Yuval, uh... Yeah, th this one's kinda hard, cause I think it's an, an Israeli name, but his name is y Yuval, Yuval Noah. Yeah, Yuval Noah Harari, Harari? Yeah, that, that looks about right. Yeah. Anyhow, this is uh I got the auto audio ready. Oh yeah, sweet. Is this it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so this is Yuval Noah Harari and he's basically what the World Economic Forum describes as a prophet. Engaging. But human rights are just like heaven and like God. It's just a fictional story that we've invented and spread around. But it's just a story. It's not a reality. The only place you find rights is in the fictional stories that humans have invented and spread around. Wow. It's uh, always great to be lectured to by some Western European with an accent about our rights <laughs> and whether we even... Have okay, exclude that, that other guy. We're not <laughs> yeah, trying to be... His a, opinions don't matter. <laughs> we're not trying to be uh, uh, racists. But what he, <laughs> what he said essentially is... I mean... Anything we create, if you want to get, if just by him describing it, it's it's what we believe in. It's, and then we put it into action. Is it legit? Because human rights. Fine. If I had any human rights, well, guess I'm a robot. Fine. Have AI take over. Uh, yeah. And here I I pulled up one without a third party commentary on it. So, it really listen to what. You know, he believes it. It's quite shocking, actually. But some gov governments and corporations, for the first time in history, have the power to basically hack human beings. There is a lot of talk about hacking computers, hacking smartphones, hacking bank accounts. But the big story of our era is the ability to hack human beings. And by this, I mean that if you have enough data and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves, mm -hmm. and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. Mm -hmm. And in such a situation, the old democratic system 
stop functioning. We need to reinvent democracy for this new era in which humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. We need to come to terms with the fact that, no matter again, it, this is where philosophy meets computer science and biology. <laughs> I know we're, like, we're taking stuff just a little bit out of context, but just him hearing, hearing him say that, and you know, we have an organization like the World Economic Forum, and he's one part of the part of the head head elite of that group. It's like you know, fuck those guys. Yeah, that that that's exactly my sentiments. Exactly, I'm regardless of how he sounds or anything, just his base ideas coming out to say that. I am not a free human being, an individual with choice and matters and will. And to say that I'm just uh, an animal that someone else has decided that, you know, I don't exist anymore. Uh, it's crazy. It's not any... I mean, I'm sure back then was a lot more bloodier, but it's not any different from all the org all the empires and organizations like from the Huns to the to the Mongolians to the Holy Roman Empire to the Roman Empire to the Gaelic to ever, all these or all these groups that have come and go that's pretty much saying that we're not any different all they this is a slave group all, all they are is a slave empire that's wanting to enslave us and treat us like uh, soulless animals yeah see that I I think you summed it up perfect, is they, they view us as slaves. Probably less. I I can't imagine what's less than a slave, but that's pretty much what they want to categorize uh, the rest of humanity as. Now, which makes me speculate. This is just a speculation, but we hear all this talk about the child trafficking and we hear the human trafficking stuff, and that's a big, legit thing that nobody really talks about, and nobody gives a shit about Maui, by the way. I don't know why I brought up Maui, but nobody cares about Maui. Oh, because uh, you're talking about the bus of kids, right? Buses of kids. I didn't. I didn't know. I don't know too much about the buses of kids, but these things that are happening and makes me wonder if, which was why I also want to bring up the we uh, Uyghur um, Muslims, mm -hmm. um, even though it's kind of like a side uh, side topic, but and but it correlates with China and the WEF and other enslavement groups um but when you have all these the, the human trafficking thing what are they doing is this like under the radar stuff that's not still not detected today and if it is detected the videos are deleted um of a holocaust that's still occurring that the higher elites the the globalists hide so we could just keep working day to day and, and keep us nose to the grindstone and trying to make sure that we have enough money and food to stay alive and keep our kids fed and happy and focus on college and focus on this so we could just keep our working ourselves to death and oh look they raised the social security rate to, to age 70 which and then they'll feed us more food to lower our rate of living 
Yeah, the standard uh, of living. I know. Sorry, I, long ran short, but uh, I get it. And see, it, it all comes back to these uh, organizations. It and the reason why it it becomes a conspiracy theory is because this is so layered; it, it's hard to keep track of. Um, a normal spy operation can only keep track of at max probably three to four layers of deception so you know you have your first layer the agent the second layer the double eight you know the double agent the third layer you know the triple agent and so on and so forth uh it gets really hard to keep track of a lot of things because this is a multi-faceted operation and not all of the factions of the new world order dark occult agree with each other that's another thing people need to understand is this is an organization that is not behind one front, so to speak. Do they all want the destruction of humanity? Pretty obviously, yes. But uh, the means to go about it, uh, just like any other organization out there, they don't agree on it. The, In my opinion, the current faction that's in charge are the radical, reckless ones. Um, uh, a lot of people may not know this, but uh, a lot of the old guard of the Dark Cult have recently died off. Um, to name a few, uh, David Rockefeller, the third or something like that, um, Henry Kissinger, and uh, ah, man, there's like this Russian guy I can't pronounce. He he recently died too, and now. That's all been within, I don't know, the last five to six years. And recently you've seen things ramp up. Like, crazy proportions. Like, GTA server status <laughs> is what is what I akin it to. We're, we're living in a GTA server. Prove me otherwise. <laughs> so I could drive a vehicle on the sidewalk? Basically, do meth. It's a simulation. <laughs> You know, I, I guess to indulge in uh, Noah, um, I had this theory about when we die, our souls are kind of like a an SD card or the cloud. All the information that we've acquired, like all the all the visual photos we've taken with our brains and videos, like our whole all all our visual is like a video and audio recording. Yeah, and all our knowledge base are like document files just like a computer and its cpu where our brains are like a tower of the pc and when when we die we are our information is transmitted somewhere into if you want to believe it as like the heavens and whatever so what if we are in some way not ai or robotics we're much bigger than that we're very we're a very sophisticated design if you want to talk about it like created in his image god god or whoever created a really cool manufactured item which is humans it just has more applications that are beyond our current capabilities like bioengineering that we could grow nails we could move our fingers left to right xyz up and down with all the gdnt and cnc we're a big giant cnc machine yeah uh one of my favorite memes out there is uh, 
you're you're just a a brain controlling a mech and it shows the the brain connected to the eyeballs and then just the nervous system without the bones and all that stuff and kind of makes you think <laughs> oh fallout new vegas it's the the old world blues oh yeah when they're in the cryo tanks after like 500 years they have like five uh three television screen one or two for the eyes and one for the teeth yeah I think. yeah oh, oh i love that and their brains are slowly deteriorating so they just are crazy they argue with each other and you're like what is going on here <laughs> love that game <laughs> oh. so with uh with Noah here he um I I can't find any videos or anything of him plur you know screaming it to the rooftops or even admitting it that he's a satanist but just by hearing his words over a lot of research I have no doubts I'm pretty sure he's a satanist or luciferian as I mean, I don't know if you could answer this question, but I think when we were talking about the fictional stuff of Marvel and, you know, John Wick and stuff mm -hmm. like that, there's a saying on YouTube I keep hearing. My uh, my wife watches a lot of Minecraft people and and people who do gameplay commentary stuff, and they always say blood for the blood god. Oh, Warhammer. Yeah, Warhammer. Uh, chaos, guys. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, there was a game on Warcraft 3 called Blood Tournament. Where you just spawn a bunch of people and you get more points of all the people that you kill and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's like currency. Yeah. And so I always wonder, like, our souls are like, oh, I guess Dark Souls. Our souls are currency. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, the the way these people believe that uh, that is actually on on track. Um, they believe that a, a blood sacrifice needs to be paid in order for them to remain in control. Uh, that includes war. Uh, that includes, like you were discussing, child trafficking. Um, anything to make blood go into the soil to create a new. Um, they're all about it. Um, that's why a lot of oil companies, for example, uh, their symbol is the black drop. Um, that's not oil, ladies and gentlemen. That is blood. Because they, they view oil as the blood of the world. Because um, what, what I found crazy is a lot of these oil wells and oil reserves and stuff refill after uh, decades. And they view it as the lifeblood of the planet. And if they can, you know, keep reproducing it and stuff, they it's a good power base for them. Isn't that a little... I'm thinking about Atlas Shrugged right now for some reason who's that atlas shrugged it's yeah. the um it's kind of the world going into uh, chaos i think the oil dries up but the, now everything's run on the railroad system um cool and then it goes into it was a late uh, i have the book right here I'm trying to i keep there's things that can give a better description than i can but it was a lady that was living under uh ussr and pretty much like a control, controlled state where you have it's passive social it's hard socialism or communism almost like going into the ways of george orwell but mm -hmm. not it's more focused on the economic side at least the movies were i never read i never finished reading the book yeah see it, it all comes back to controlling 
economics. How do you control humans? Ooh, and since you mentioned blood too, um, I keep seeing the memes about it. But they um, in the in that show in the movie, they're talking about this engine that somebody created, the alternative to um, the engines that we run on. That's car um, combustion engine. Okay. Like so, you you have the hydraulic the hydraulic one, but every time that shows up, not hydraulic. Stuff that's run on a different fuel source, they end up getting assassinated and their stuff gets destroyed. Oh, like, uh, I'm, I'm so bad with names, but I'm really good with situations. His was, uh, he was like, uh, a professor at some university and he figured out how to make an engine with water. Yes. And then it, he did it all in his garage, I guess. And then, uh... He allegedly committed suicide by shooting himself twice in the head with a shotgun before... Well, no, no, let's see. I think before he committed suicide, he allegedly killed his wife and family and then shot himself twice in the head with a shotgun. Which... Double tap. Yeah, some some willpower to shoot yourself twice, bro. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I've heard of... We are just talking. I was just talking about this with somebody, but so, um, someone trying to kill themselves, but they aim the wrong way and it goes out the side of their head, and they're still alive. They're like, dang it! Oh yeah, I've seen that. Like they put it in their cheek or something. Yeah. Yikes! That's all I can say. You didn't finish it up, dude. Double tap. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know about that. Sus. <laughs> so I wanted to bring this part up here, um, since we brought up China, is the Uyghur, the Uyghur Muslims, or they're called the... Let's just read it out, but I've heard them pronounced Uyghurs, but U-Y-G-H-U-R. So, there is a big issue, and this is why we don't want China ruling us at all, ruling the U.S. or anybody, is they have a huge human right viol... They're the hugest human rights violators right now. I'm sure other people are too, but in this subject is... You know, they're they've come under scrutiny of the UN because the um, so the Uyghur Muslims are in Jing if I can pronounce this right Xinjiang, China. It's a region in the north. I never eat so you walk northwest, which is bordering Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and Afghanistan and Pakistan and India. The east. The east. Yeah, the Middle East. Um, these guys are Turkish ethnic groups that are, you know, they're, they're Muslims. They kind of fall, they include, uh, shamanism, Tengerism, Buddhism, Manichism, if I pronounce these right. I don't even know what some of these are. And Nestorian Christianity. Um, but what I'm trying to point at, point out here is... Currently, what is happening is what the what the Nazis were doing to the Jews. They put them in term internment camps, killing them off, torturing them, and shipping them off for trafficking or for cell research. They're killing them and forcing abortions, um, sexual gender based violations. There's like why are we dealing it's like dealing business with the Nazis oh thanks for all the ibuprofen and all the inventions you came up with all the blood death all the blood sacrifices and killing that you've done but here's a funny thing 
and because it's in we are talking about BlackRock, is it seems they have connections between each other. Mm-hmm. It, it's a uh, a lot of people call it the spider hole because it's it's a web entangling pretty much everything. Because when you look at something now and it says made in China you have to realize that that product is made from the labor of slaves. That's the number one most profitable business plan in the history of humanity is slavery. Because you get labor for free. Everyone knows down you know, to Walmart, to construction companies, to the White House, that labor is always going to be more expensive than parts. Mm-hmm. Always, 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 pretty much fucking always. And when it comes down to a global scale, if you have an entire slave population, you you can crank out uh, a lot of power in exchange for, you know, your economic uh, relief to a whole bunch of other parts of the world including the United States the reason why the United States can't compare is because you're really compared paying someone to go to a job compare that to making someone go to a job so there's no competition so with that being said if we so in a sense we're already catering to slavery even though we said we abolished it and we already do it too we just do it with credit and debt here Correct. but we also indirectly do it when we purchase from other countries that are sla- uh, slavers and we're like it's fine it's fine like every so it makes me wonder if you're a religious person and you think you're going to go to heaven and you're doing all these things you're following the commandments you're not drinking your soda or not drinking your coffee, your tea, you know, your other stuff. <laughs> Sorry, not targeting any religion in particular. <laughs> Another religion with tunnels, I see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you're achieving all these things, but for some reason your whole house, including your cell phone, is cobalt, is come, your cell phones come from cobalt mining, the slave mining, your, di- your diamond ring, the blood diamonds, your clothing that comes from China, Cambodia, all these you don't know what's going on. You're just going to safely assume and pretend that it doesn't exist and lie to yourself that you didn't buy your stuff from slave labor. So you're just fine. You're just you just know that you're trying your best to do good by God and but the society you live under forces you if you want to be do the right thing, you buy from your own from your own country that charges you way more and you hope it wasn't slave labor, but it was very che- more expensive labor. Or you buy cheap and you get to survive economically. Because if you don't survive economically, you end up on the streets. And nobody cares about the people on the streets for some reason. Yeah, yeah, see, exactly. They they put you in a pickle. And I'm not saying all this to even come out and say, ooh, bad evil on those that, you know purchase this stuff or even run the slave camps i'm not here to condone any of that what i'm here doing is here explaining what the reality of the world is to stop living in ignorance because what a lot of people try to go off of and claim is a word that i didn't learn 
until I was like 25. And that word is called nescience. Um, I'm sorry if I slaughter that, but nescience is basically the exact opposite of ignorance. A good example of what nescience is, is your, you know, two, three-year-old baby. And they start, you know, playing in the front yard and they don't understand what dangers there are to starting out into the road. Nescience is the not understanding what is in the road because you've never ever dealt with it. You've never, you know, seen a car. You're, what, two years on this planet? Whether there's going to be a lot more that's still new up until you die. Being nescient of something is not being ignorant of it. What ignorance is, is you have the ability to come out of ignorance at your leisure. Nescience is something that is completely out of your control. And what I'm trying to dispel is the myth that a lot of people are living in nescience. When in reality, a lot of us are living in ignorance. And it's something that each individual man and woman has to come to grips with. It's not easy waking up to the reality that what we're living in is one of the most hellish dystopias man has ever created, in my opinion. Now, to shed a little more light on it is why I love coming on this show and discussing the history of uh, conspiracies, because it, it's something a lot of us are waking up to. Like I described at the beginning of the episode, it's because the world, fate, the universe, how God, uh, what, whatever term you're comfortable with, is pushing us out of ignorance and into enlightenment. And it's going to be a very painful process. But the more that we understand, the less of a crash landing it'll be. Instead of plowing into a tree or something, we might just, you know, do a 360 in a cornfield or something. It's still going to be pretty scary, but having a base and understanding is going to lessen the impact quite a bit. Because one way or another, it, it's coming. Uh, the world will not let us exist in ignorance in much, much longer. And that's what, um, that's been on my mind for the past, past week too. Just, I just released it up previous episode called the 72 hour kit oh getting prepared getting preparation yeah and we currently live in a society where we are just thankful we should be thankful to have AC fresh water even though that fresh water is flooded with fluoride and other heavy metals probably not the heavy metals but it it exists yeah Um, you need to filter your tap water and whether you believe in fluoride or not, there are other things in in that water system. Well, we're fucked. We're screwed either way. Whatever you eat, you eat preservative stuff. You eat whatever. What yeah. you were talking about earlier, the wheat. The wheat is bad for you. The gluten is bad for you. Apparently, eggs were bad for you at one point in time. And now they're good for you. Yeah. It's just like okay. Well, 
and that that goes for all these organizations too. Okay, which one wants to kill me first? I got so many put options on the menu. One's one ninety nine, the other one's two ninety nine. That one's thirteen dollars. What one wants to kill me first? I don't care at this point. Just give me a bullet. <laughs> See, and and that's the the overwhelming overwhelming force that they're implementing. Like like you described it. At the the end result is just you're overwhelmed and I don't want to deal with it. Yeah, let me play some comedy show. Let me go back to my work because that's all that really matters right now. So I can make some income and uh, cover my family. Oh, make sure the insurance that I'm already getting uh, paid screwed up on because my my country can't get it fucking right after 200 years. Uh, no, yeah, no no country can. It's all a scam. It's a mandatory scam. In- insurance has a beauty to it, but it, it still is a scam. You're just making money for the bigger name and they just protect you when you get screwed over. And if you do get screwed over, that's that's great. And it, your uh your uh your family members will be blessed when you die. <laughs> yeah, what? they They've uh, incentivized death. Here you go, $100,000. This won't mean anything in the next 10 years. Well, and that's why you get a lot of the uh, court cases where the spouse tries to take out the other for the insurance money. Hmm. How much is a human life worth? Uh, that That's a fundamental question that's been asked for a very long time. Depends on how many times you hit your kid in the head. Yeah, your does your <laughs> how quickly can you devalue yourself? <laughs> yeah, self esteem. Yeah, or if we want that rabbit hole, if um, how much medication can you be to be um, stable? How much yeah. self love do you have? This is a reason why on on this on this one of the biggest pushes I have for my podcast is self improvement, self love, and self care. All that. And then we go into stuff like this, and then it's like, oh, God, I hate myself. Oh, I hate this world. <laughs> it it, it but, is tough, but... Like, there's hope There's hope individually. You just... You have to choose to keep going, even though you have so many forces against you that are wanting to take you down. But you know what? Uh, what what's the Spartans say? Um, come and take them? Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget how you say it in Greek, but yeah, come and take it. <laughs> oh, Moan Labe? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> Come and take them. Yeah. You I'm gonna be a rain of your sun I'm gonna be a rain of fucking sunshine while you're a grumpy gill trying to kill me. Yeah, and um one of the I don't know, one of the best ways that I've come to oh. learn what reality really is, it it it's what oh the alchemists and the Masons call will or care. Um, one of the big occult rituals that these uh, Bilderberg and World Economic Forum, uh, you know, the roundtable groups do, uh, it's called Bohemian Grove. And they get together and they burn uh, an effigy of, uh, of a child. And that child is called Care. Um, and the whole point of this ritual is to burn away their care, their care factor, their empathy, um, to carry out their humble mission, in their opinion. And when they... Oh, you got to pee? No, I got to pee. <laughs> no, no, finish your, t- finish your thing before... Uh... Okay, yeah, you're good. And when they go through this ritual, it's to burn away their care. And... Their will is channeled into burning out this particular care for humanity. Those, 
loved ones, children even, to, you know, make themselves powerful in their, in their view. And it's, it's these things that you need to watch out for. And what you need to do is take control of your will because it is what you decide. It, it is the, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You decide on, you know, how successful you are. Is it going to be immediate? Uh, you're delusional if you think that. But long will it be long term over time if you're dedicated and hold on to your will? Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. I and we're back. I am so sorry for my tiny bladder. Oh, that's a that's a face of a man relieved right there. <sighs> I feel refreshed. So, yeah, you were saying we're, Bohemian Grove. Yeah, we're talking Bohemian Grove. Um, it and that's just one example. Um, since we're short on time, I'll just jump over it really quick. Since these organizations are so interconnected it goes beyond the pale to speculate that they have an agenda you know why go through all this effort to meet up plan um, do all these rituals if it's not to go somewhere and you can look up example after example of all these people describing where they want to take it and at the end of the day we're going towards an event basically to wipe out the majority of humanity. And it comes down to what they're going to put in your body, what they're going to put in your mind, and how they can limit your resource intake. Um, a good part of what their current stance is is over um, like climate change. Um, you may have heard of carbon footprint, stuff like that. Um, that's basically all to monitor how you live. How much chicken have you eaten? How much steak have you eaten? How far have you traveled? Uh, you know, different things like that. How far have you traveled? What type of car are you traveling in? You know, uh, they admit that they want to track every last detail of your life. And... They even admit that they're slowly taking over your government to make it happen. And I want to play Mr. Bond villain here uh, bragging about it. Uh, these people, they can't help but brag. I, I think it's the criminal mindset um, that they, they have to brag about their crimes. And just for whatever reason. Is this uh, Klaus? Yeah, this is Klaus Schwab. Um, he's the founder of the World Economic Forum. Uh, he founded it like in 1970, 71, something like that. And he's still in charge of it today. He looks like a handbag, by the way. When I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> so he's he's a little hard to understand. But what he said is people like Ang 
Angela Merkel, that was uh, Germany's uh, previous prime minister, and Vladimir Putin, uh, they all went to basically an academy um, called the World Economic Forum uh, for Young Leaders or Young Global Leaders or something like that. And he's bragging about how they're all over in different parts of the world and how basically he put them there. Um, what we are very proud of now is a young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Brazil, of uh, Argentina and so on, so we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I would know that half of this cabinet or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet are for our actually young global leaders of the world economic form. So he said penetrate and penetrate or infiltrate whatever you want to say he's pretty much saying that his organization is pretty much infested its way into these governments. Correct and uh, the particular example that he was bragging about was the Canadian government of Justin Trudeau. Um, He's pretty hard to understand with that thick German accent without subtitles, but he was describing how he went to a reception um, with his with Trudeau's government, and it, the majority, if not half, of the cabinet or the government was from the young global leaders um, that I briefly described and they're very open about it we're taking over your government you're you're gonna eat the bugs if, if you've heard that uh, that's Klaus Schwab um, own nothing and you'll be happy that's also Klaus Schwab um, you can look up all these quotes uh, they're you know they're not hiding it at least these ones there's some other other stuff they try to hide but really try to pay you know pay attention on who's leading us right now because from my analysis and how these people operate um, our government's been hijacked it's no longer a government they're taking orders from people like Larry Fink they're taking orders from people like Mr. Schwab here we're we're in we're up we're up the creek without a paddle boys with that being uh, with that being said it's um, people get mad at the current administration for things even though he's retarded he's just an idiot just, yeah you, you can but easily tell that he's he's just a stooge yeah he's just he's just the flesh to be put in front of the people you know what I mean uh, I'm pretty sure he was selected because he was uh, mentally impaired um which, which is why I also tie it back to not like not Biden, but I talk it, take it back to the Avengers. Um, he, uh, Fury is talking with those world leaders. Fury is just a just a pawn in a bigger game. Even yeah. if he's the even if he is a leader of this organization, that organization is captured by a bigger organization. The bigger fish eats the big smaller fish. Yeah, 
Funky Bibus Four. It gets it gets really weird because you kind of get to the bottom of a you know a few problems and it kind of leads back to the same source. It it's mind boggling, and it, it's very very difficult to wrap your head around. I I have no. N- you know, I have no anger towards other people that wouldn't want to look into this because it, it really, it really changes your life. Shield, that's what it was. Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. Shield. Shield. Oh yeah, it looks like the, the Federal Reserve Eagle. So, man, I love tying things back to Spore. Spore is awesome. <laughs> you need to play it if you have it. Because like you that game just paints the perfect picture of Worf how you could for like uh when you first start out, the big bigger cell eats the smaller cell. The more smaller cells you eat, you get bigger. And then when you get bigger, you're like, Oh, I grew legs and confidence. Now I can go on land and eat more things. Yeah, exactly. Brought to you by consumerism. And see um the way it's been described to me is that you know life is god's gift and it's up to you on how you use your gift but you need to understand that it it was given to you you didn't make this and really try to find uh what's the best word for this really try to find your motivation for taking care of yourself you know what I mean if you're listening to other people for what makes you happy you're kind of in the wrong spot to begin with and these people will gladly fill that gap for you and it almost seems seems like a conflict of uh, not self esteem but a conflict of your conscience and morals absolutely are you wanting to be fair and love thy neighbor on a try your best to play an equal playing field where you care about one another and you really do care about other people or do you lower the redu- lower the percentage of that care and put more power into self-destiny or self... You're going to be an Alexander the Great or a Hitler. You, you don't necessarily have to be those kind of people, but I'm trying to say that you want to put more emphasis in more destructive patterns to improve to up yourself up you have to crush the others in order to propel your propel yourself to higher status yeah they 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 operate on if you're succeeding someone else has to um you know pay the price for your your success and there is a book and it's hard to recommend it to people because it has such destructive tendency tendencies but the 48 laws of power by robert green it just it's a book of you could try and translate that to some more positive outlook but the the the, these leaders that we're dealing with now it it seems like they take the 48 laws of power towards crushing crushing your enemies totally Mm -hmm. and and that's why i personally describe them as the darker cult um, because they use the occult teachings, which is supposed to actually help oneself to understand how your mind operates 
how emotions are brought forth and how your mind thinks and you know different multitudes of that sort of um intellectual thinking they corrupt it and flip it flip it on its head invert it and that that's why i call it satanism is because the ultimate goal of satanism is to invert reality you know what what is happiness oh that that must be evil uh, evil is happiness those sorts of things yeah, you could look at it that way. If it's like, oh, I love this diamond ring. How did, how was it made? Slaves. Evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, all slowly to, you know, corrupt your reasoning and morals and all that stuff. If they can lower the individual, they, they lower the collective. I think that's like MK Ultra stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, that, that all comes back to MK Ultra. And then... Uh, The whole time? <laughs> oh, my, oh my god. Uh, it, and, okay, since we're bringing up organizations, because, like, we were talk at one point we were talking, not even in this um, episode, but the Illuminati, and then you have all these other groups. Like, you have these fraternities and organizations that people think they're evil and Satanist groups, but what if they started out in a positive light? But then you have the bigger fish that steps in, sends its people out, and corrupts it, just like the U.S. government. It's both. It, at one point, I think up until I let. I mean, it fluctuates all the time. But if Kennedy was running the show at the time, it would have been a beacon of hope. But you have forces that came in, killed him, infil- sent in their own guys, or they sent in their guys prior to it, filled in the role. And led us to more blood sacrifices. Brought to you by the Vietnam War. Oh and yeah, Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah, absolutely. And um, even uh, the Secretary of State McNamara came out later when uh, he was pretty much on his deathbed and confessed that the Gulf of Tonkin never happened, and that it was just a ploy to get into the Vietnam War because, I, th- if I remember right, McNamara came from like the Ford Company or something like that. And he actually had masses amounts of stock in Lockheed and Martin. And, uh, you know, uh, he was the Secretary of Defense. And he made it so that he became a billionaire just off of this war. And he kept it going. And, you know, it's a kind of another beautiful disguise is, uh, is calling it the DOD, De- Department of Defense. Think during uh, World War Two, it was called the Department of War. Yeah, it was after World uh, World War Two that they decided to change the name. It's also like they changed the name from the Depression to uh, in Recession. Recession sounds so much better. It makes you feel a little more okay. We'll get through this. Depression's like yeah, we're depressed. Yeah, everyone knows what the depression is. (laughs) But if like Department of War, it's like yeah, that's our job. We start wars, you fight them, we make money, send it off again. Oh. You all, you're all growing stagnant and starting to hate each other. Great, we're gonna get a war started so we can start um, getting the economy flooding again, and then we're also running short on our funds on the military-industrial complex. We have a bunch of surplus stuff that we need to sell for expensive, uh, expensive prices, even though we made them cheap and we just made them so we could uh, get blood stains on it and reproduce more. Yep, exactly. It, it, in case you haven't noticed it, a lot of it comes down to marketing, mm-hmm. how, how it's presented. 
how to how can it most deceive you you know they, they dress it up as all, all kinds of things and mostly it's oh well it's for your benefit of course well I'm, I'm sacrificing all this to help you you know what I mean and they'll they'll tell you that uh, and until they're blue in the face <laughs> sounds like reviews yeah re- their their reviews turned to demonic I guess <laughs> <laughs> No, even like the individual reviews too. Like, oh, they're they're the best. I love reviews. <laughs> oh, you haven't improved. What? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not trying to call out anything or anybody. I know. No, no product placement here. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's the takeaway? I guess what what's something we can leave people with some form of hope. Um, wake up to the fact that all this propaganda would be useless if they were winning. Really think about it. Would they go through all this effort to deceive you if they had already won? So, take heart in the fact that, in reality, they're losing. They're losing the mind war. All, uh, all this, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not even on it registerable I guess in the grand scheme of things but uh, I like I'm trying to do my part in the great awakening to fight the great reset and really these globalists the dark occult are panicking right now because the majority of us are awakened to the fact that they're coming at us rather we know about a good deal of this stuff or if you know, we're just a plain person on the street. We know that, you know, something is coming at us. And what a lot of people are in the government trying to say, we just don't believe. So take heart in the fact that we are in the fight. It's going to get a lot, <laughs> a lot worse before it gets better. But the fact that we even know these people's names is milestones above what they want us at. So understand that if you're listening to me right now at the end of this episode, take take heart. I, you got to talk about the problem to even begin to fix it. It comes down even in medical stuff, your, um, your schooling, your career. If you don't identify the problem, it'll never get fixed and it'll... Will eventually overtake you uh that's what's happened for the past i'd say a couple hundred years as the problem has gone unspoken but now that we're here at the end game and they're trying to reset the economic um playing board that we're all a part of the u.s dollar uh coming down to cash money they want to reset it to the digital currency um, they are facing a lot of resistance because they need to pose themselves as the saviors. And that is not happening. Um, I have not spoken to a single human being that has said anything positive in the direction that we're going right now. That's a good thing. That we're pretty much all awake to the fact that there is a problem. The next phase that's coming up very quick is taking care of the problem. And that, my friends, is going to be when it's going to get real exciting.
because this this is this is all just window dressing. This is just the prequel. We're living history right now, and you should be excited about that. So that way, when you're talking to people in the future, thirty years from now, on ask what what happened, uh, you can say that you stood up against tyranny and actually saw it for what it was. And hopefully, get to live the tale. Uh, tell the tale and not be under malice or any type of malice or Stalinist regime. That's my hope. Uh, I hope we get through this and uh, most of us get to <laughs> reminisce about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, take heed, people. The fight is now. Resistance is victory. Caving in is death. Fight the power. Fight the power! Resistance is victory! Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. <laughs> <laughs> Wu-Tang Clan! <laughs> uh, Alright, I think that's good, though. I think we can leave on that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve. I, I love coming on your show, and thanks for making time for me. Oh, always. <laughs> Alright, Richard Splash. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Welcome to the Safari Steve Show, where we can speak easy, speak freely about any subject, real-life minutia, conspiracies, world topics, and self-improvement, and more. This is the Safari Steve Show. You can still eat political tide pods, it'll be just fine. Wanted to give a quick shout-out to my friend Nathan. He did the music for my new intro to the podcast, and he did a phenomenal job. Did exactly what I needed, and I just wanted to let you all know that he did this, and... If you ever want more information and get in contact with him for music for you um, or anything like that, I'll help you out with that. Thanks for listening to this.